mortgages can be a dry subject. So here's your oasis in the desert. It's the podcast that will get you talking and thinking, or more likely drinking. The Lennon to his McCartney, the Burt to his Ernie. It's the one and only Mortgage Stew and his sidekick Martin at the LM Experience. Hi there, welcome to the LM Experience with myself, Stuart Gregory, and Martin Stewart. Hi there, Martin, how are you? Yeah, not too bad, Stuart, not too bad, thank you. Getting ready for Christmas, getting fat like Santa. Ah, always that time of year. Some things don't change, do they? Well, welcome to our, our first edition of this podcast. Um, the aim with this really is to give you some ideas of what's going on in the mortgage market and also our thoughts on how perhaps you can look to proceed, either if you're a borrower or if you're involved with the mortgage arranging experience. So we've got some ideas and we're going to have a chat about those today. And uh, as always, please, we welcome your feedback as well. Yeah, so I'm going to start off with um, uh, probably the story that's been very relevant over the past uh, two or three weeks, Stu, and uh, that's the base rate going up for the first time in, in, in three and a half thousand years, or it certainly felt like that. Um, has, your, has your phone been ringing like a Samaritan helpline since the base rate went up? Not really, no. Mm, no, join no, the club. No, but, I, think, I think overall it's one of those things where um, it's because of the level of the increase so far. Mm. I think there are quite a few borrowers who perhaps aren't, going to feel immediately any sort of change to their lifestyle and as a result they're not too worried to be honest well it was it was it was it not a rush um sort of beforehand because um it, as with most things in life now it's trialed by media and, and the media are all over it it was very mm. well telegraphed and maybe that was the point when it came around to it it was a bit like meh you know so yeah what? yeah i think to be honest there was such a long lead up in terms of kind of media coverage of it all was mm. was all about kind of what would you do if it happened? And I think um, certainly from the perspective of the Bank of England conversations that were in the press leading up to it, mm. it sort of prepared people. And it was, I think in that respect, it was less of a shock. Yeah. Did uh, uh, did Mark Carney ring you beforehand to, to clear it? No, he didn't. No, no, no mm. not at all. Didn't no, ring which me I was either. quite disappointed about, really, to Absolutely. be honest. Absolutely. Do you think there'll be another one? I mean, that's the... Um, that's the next sort of big thing now. Is is this the is this the first of many? Is this a, is this a trend? Was it a shot across the bows? Was it a question of putting it up so they can maybe bring it down later? Is some bad news? Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think to be honest, it's, it's a mixture of things. Really, it, it, on one side of it, it's likely to be something a, a shot across the bows to borrowers to say, look, things aren't always going to stay the same. This is just your reminder. Um, bearing in mind, it was only kind of a year prior to that when it was dropped by the same figure. So, I think. That was part of it, to remind people of that. I think the dangers moving forwards are going to be Brexit, mm-hmm. to be honest. Mm-hmm. And again, it's like a forewarning to people of saying, look, things aren't always going to stay the same. Mm. And it just depends on how much reminding there is. I mean, there was a lot of focus around the time of when the announcement was made. But since that point, has there been much conversations within the media about the implications of it? Also, a lot of the lenders were putting their rates up anyway. As as, as that trial by media was going on, mm. a lot of the lenders were pulling rates. And so when it came around, it wasn't like in the old days when the, when the base rate suddenly changed. And then you get 400 emails from lenders saying this rate's now going as of this second. Yeah. It was all kind of, I suppose in some respect, whether either by default or by design, it was very well managed, yeah. I thought. but. I often, um, the thing that worries me is whether 
the reason why it was a bit of an anticlimax is I, I worry that the consumer is benign to interest rates mm-hmm. because they've forgotten what they're there for. Mm-hmm. Um, because the, the base rate has been a redundant mechanism for over 10 years now. Yeah. And, and whilst we work in the industry and we focus very much on that, we understand the implications of it, clients don't think about their mortgage until they have to refix or remortgage or, or, or move house. Yeah, and I think as well with the um, static nature of base rate as it was for so long, it also creates a false sense of security in terms mm. of that we've pretty much gone from being a nation that was perhaps 10 years ago obsessed with remortgaging every two years for mm. whatever purpose. We've gone from that to being a case of that many people haven't still reviewed their mortgage options for about five, 10 years. Mm. So I think that is going to be an onward issue that's going to come up relating to how do people roll with the waves of whatever happens next. Do you, do you think there will be a culture change on on how people will look at mortgages going forward now, now that we've had this 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 movement upward, which I think was the first one since August or September 2007? Yeah, I mean, I think, to be honest, most people, a lot of people, a lot of borrowers, perhaps haven't ever experienced a rate rise. Yeah, a lot of brokers haven't. <laughs> and I think that's the thing. It's, it's kind of, it can be underplayed as well as overplayed mm. in terms of the potential impact moving forwards. The the key issue that we'll do, I think, is that it's going to unearth perhaps some people who haven't reviewed their mortgages for a long time, where they're in a position where when they last apply for a mortgage, they were only ever asked about their gross income, minus their credit commitments, and other elements of their spending were never taken into account. Yeah. And And now it's forensic. It's forensic investigations, isn't it? That's going to be the biggest surprise for a lot of people. Yeah. And... I think that's where if there are future potential problems in the market, it's going to be in that area. Mm. If we if we did get to a point of where something kind of seismic did happen within the financial system, then when people need to refinance, can they? I think I read this week that, that the Bank of England came out with a report and for the first time since the credit crunch, all the banks now are well capitalised. There's, mm-hmm. no, there's no requirement for them to raise additional funds, which is, which I think is good news. A stable, stable banking system <clears throat> yep. creates a stable society. Um, but it, it's this, it's this um, as, as Rumsfeld would say, it's the unknown unknowns, isn't it? It's mm-hmm. Trump and Kim Jong-un going toe-to-toe. It's a, it's a, it's a bad Brexit turning into an awful Brexit, mm-hmm. um, and and you know it, something seismic, as you said, could come along without anyone knowing it—a black swan event—and and unpick all that good very well, very quickly. I think that's the thing. It then comes back to being about client perception of why do things happen. It's about explaining as a broker to clients that if you go for a fixed rate, the base rate has very little effect on what you get charged. It's mm. all about the cost of the borrowing of the on the money markets, yeah, yeah. and that's where these things on the outside that you may not think are linked all get fed into the system mm. and i think that's one area where brokers can certainly aid their clients moving forward even if they're not doing anything yet and making them aware that these are the things that you need to be aware of and you need to start planning you can't just react to things when they happen it's a good point i mean you talk about you talk about the cost of funds there um and that's we addressed that with the base rate but what about the actual levels of debt I mean, does that not concern you? Do you not see that at the coalface, seeing these people with twenty, thirty, forty thousand pounds of unsecured debt and and uh, no savings in the bank and using their equity in the house as a, mm. as, a as an effective cash point? Does that not worry you? Yeah, definitely. I, I think the thing is with it as well is that the issues that are probably bubbling away now aren't the same ones that they were five or ten years mm. ago. 
Um, I can remember from times when I worked within lenders where we'd have clients coming in to try and refinance credit card debt. Now, the bigger issues I think now in the market at the current time are more in relation to brand new vehicles bought on higher purchase, which is <laughs> the, the PCPs. Yeah, which yeah. is the new norm, and it, everybody's got a brand new car, yeah. and it's all on on credit, monthly yeah. payments for three years, maybe four years onwards, yeah. and all of that element to it as well is is just enhancing. Say they've got a small amount of credit card debt, which I'm going to quote a figure here, but it may for a lot of people they go, "Oh, that's a lot." But in reality, from what you can see as a broker day to day, it's probably quite average. Mm. Let's say five thousand on a yeah. credit card. Yeah. Now, if somebody's only got five thousand on a credit card and they go to apply for a mortgage, you've got most lenders would take the equivalent of three percent of that borrowed figure as a monthly commitment when it's taken into account. But then from there, if you then add into it a car finance agreement, which is costing them two hundred and fifty pounds <throat> a month. And then they've got childcare costs on top of that. Then all of a sudden you're in the position of where these are escalating and then you're in the position there where it's starting to affect what you can borrow. Hmm. <clears throat> well, in London, I think if anyone's got five grand on their credit card, they've done very, very well. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've seen one recently. There was £300,000 on unsecured debt and credit cards, which is which is phenomenal and amazing. And I think the, the, the tap of you know, easy credit is still on. Mm. And that's the problem. And credit cards are very easy to get still for a lot of people. Mm. And and that point about a new car is very, very valid. You could walk into um, a dealership tomorrow, um, answer a few questions, yep. sign a statement to say that I can afford that payment. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you can walk away with a 40 grand car. Amazing, really, when you think about it. Mm, definitely. I mean, I think that it then goes wider into general expenditure as well, because I think overall... People have a, um, again, it goes back to the fact that a lot of people haven't reviewed their mortgage for such a long time. They're not going to look into things in their bank statements and say, to be honest, do we really need to do that? Mm. I.e., do I go to a particular coffee shop to get a coffee in the morning and I'm spending £3.50 for everyone I buy? Is it better I go somewhere cheaper or perhaps still just make it at work? Well, without blowing our own trumpet, this is where the, this is where the consumer needs to speak to a broker first mm-hmm. because we can forewarn them about yeah. this. I've had clients come recently, and you know they are spending hundred pound a month on on discretionary coffees. Mm-hmm. That adds up over time. You know, I've got someone that's spending fifty pound a week down at Betfred. You know, it's mm-hmm. these are the things that you need to warn the consumer about that they will come back and be detrimentally. Um, affecting your ability to mm. borrow money. And, you know, if anyone is listening to this and thinking about getting a mortgage, you do need to speak to a broker to understand what the lenders are looking for. Yeah, because you can get caught out otherwise. It's yeah. definitely one of those sort of scenarios, I think, where you start from a point of where you understand what the lenders are going to be looking for mm. and you, pre- you prepare accordingly. It's just simply a case of just getting all your ducks in a row, cutting down on the stuff that you don't necessarily need to do um, and also as well, it's about not just going by the seat of your pants every single month Yes. Um, and having some sort of plan there, which can be evidenced to a lender if they want to look at it to say, right, this is where we are. I think what it comes back to with things like um, increasing credit card debt across the country, I think one of the elements that's fed into that overall has also been where in a lot of occasions wages have been static for so long, the utility bill costs have increased, and as a result, that's where the money has come from for a lot of people, I think, to get by on a month-to-month basis. Yeah. We used to have a phrase very early on in the industry, do you have too much money at the end of the month or too much month at the end of the money? Mm-hmm. And I think we've got the latter in society now, where mm-hmm. the, the salary runs out on the 21st of the month, whereas previously it might have got through to the 28th. Yeah. Excellent. One quick question, actually, before we go then, Stu, and uh, it's everyone's favourite 
subject, tax, stamp duty mm-hmm. in the budget? Thoughts? Yeah. I, I think overall, to be honest, I, I put a tweet out um, about a few days before the budget came out and I did tweet Philip Hammond, but he didn't tweet back. <laughs> he was busy. Yeah, well, I guess so. Um, but my suggestion was that he didn't need to tweak stamp duty for first-time buyers. He needed to tweak it for people looking to downsize. Interesting. And he was he ignored me completely. <sighs> Treat him again. Okay, I probably will. But I think the thing is with it, is my viewpoint on it, is that there have been so many short-term incentives thrown into the housing market that have been used before. Hmm. How to buy. Well, the thing is, <laughs> ownership. yeah, I mean, stamp duty holidays, we've been here before, mm. before it was 250 marker, where it was complete stamp duty holiday for six months. The problem comes with it is that they keep on coming up with the same solutions, but they're not, they know they haven't worked. Mm. It's just short term fix, it's short term boost, and it's not the answer to the problem. I think generally at the moment and out there now is that the, the issues are that certainly from the changes to taxation for buy-to-lets, that has helped first-time buyers immensely in the last 12 months. By, by, by limiting the attractiveness of buy-to-lets yeah. in the first place and they're freeing up the properties. Far more first-time buyers stand a chance of buying somewhere mm, definitely. if they're in that position. Because of that, they're not losing out now to a list of landlords that are on the estate agent's phone. Mm. And that's positive. Beyond that point, the other area that the government should be looking at, which they don't seem to be, is the amount of family-sized housing that you've got scenarios where you have people who are quite rightly at their stage of age, they may be in their 50, late 50s, they may be in the 60s or Some 70s. Something like yourself. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'd, I'd do it tomorrow. <laughs> but the way in which they should be looking at it is saying, right, how can we help these people to downsize? If they want to downsize, sometimes these people, the older borrowers perhaps want to downsize, but then when they look at the costs of moving, their viewpoint then is that, hang on a minute, we're going to downsize to a smaller property, that's great. But we've got to shell out, let's say, 20000 in stamp duty to do so. Why not incentivize higher up the chain for people to encourage them more to downsize, which then frees up more family properties, which helps the whole ladder, not just top-ending it by means of trying to... A trickle-down effect, effectively, is what you're saying there, is it? Just yeah. like, you know, these you know people, one person living in a six-bedroom house yeah. is contributing to the housing crisis in some way, shape or form. Well, it's, it's just a case of that it's just twisting it around at a different angle and saying, right, okay, doing the same things all over the time and getting the same results, is it working? And I, I think, why not do a combination of things like that? Do a, do a lower waiver for first-time buyers to help them, but also do the same incentive to somebody looking to downsize. And it would, to me, it just makes sense. And if it meant that they had a higher level of transactions, they wouldn't be losing money. Mm. Uh, they'd still get the revenue from it. And I think that's the bits, I think, where they need to kind of refocus. And uh, it comes back to, I think, kind of you hear a lot of sort of platitudes put out by the government, whichever hue they are, of we're really focused on housing. We're really focused <laughs> on it. And you haven't even got a housing minister in the cabinet. I think we've had something like 13 housing ministers in 15 years. It doesn't, doesn't that tell you what the problem is? There's no continuity. No one's got a plan. No. No plan, and if they're not in the cabinet meetings, then how important do they really think it is? And they clearly don't. It's just a case of that, well, every now and again on the budget, we'll throw an incentive out just to keep the market ticking along. And it's 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 not rocket science. They just need to give it some decent focus. And if they are serious about it, they need to be able to evidence that they are actually doing stuff rather mm. than just throwing out gimmicks every to- now and again. Totally agree with you. 
to do totally agree with you. I think instead of tweeting Hammond, what we need to do is um, go around his house with a baseball bat. Well, no, I, I would never condone such behaviour at all. I think a strongly worded tweet would suffice. Okay. Well, Stu, we're at the end of our first podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, any thoughts? Any final? Yeah, really enjoyed it, really, yeah. to be honest. I mean, what we'll, we'll obviously, we had a chat about this earlier, didn't we? We said we could really welcome some feedback. So if you can get in contact with us, you can do so through Twitter. And um, so myself is at mortgage underscore stew. And I am at, at London Money FS. And we would love to hear from you because um, no one wants to hear me and Stu talk for another day. So if anyone's got some good ideas, um, please share them. Excellent. Until next time. Okay. Cheers. Cheers. Thanks for listening, and please subscribe and follow us on Twitter. And remember, there ain't no party like a highly regulated mortgage party, and your home may be repossessed if you do not keep up repayments on a mortgage or any other debt secured on it. Mm